You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. This episode is called, Did Jesus Really Walk on Water? That's a question, isn't it? Did he really walk on water? Did he really feed 5,000 people with hardly any food? Did he really heal people's diseases or even raise somebody from the dead? Well, this podcast, this episode is from the Bible Basics webinar team and they are going to attempt to answer these questions. So please head over to their website Um, You can email them, biblebasicswebinar at gmail.com, and you can leave a comment. So please uh, let us know what you think, and until next time, may God bless you. Amen. Why did Jesus perform miracles? When we read about him in the Bible, he spent much of his time teaching and preaching and traveling. Often he would explain passages from the Old Testament. Or he would tell a parable to the crowd that had come out to hear him. Sometimes, however, he would perform miracles. And those miracles, as we saw in our introductory video, were anything from using two small fish and five loaves of bread to feed over 5,000 people, or turning water into wine, or walking on water, as the title of our subject is, or healing a blind man, or even bringing Lazarus back from the dead. Now, that's quite the assortment of miracles to perform with a range of everything from mundane activities from daily life to healing of disease and even healing of death and raising someone back from the dead. Jesus himself said in the Gospel of John in chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. If belief in Jesus was all that was required, well, then what purpose did his miracles serve? Or we could ask that question another way, and we could say what specific belief in Jesus was required? Was it in his teachings? Was it that he existed? What belief do we need? we can turn to another passage in the Gospel of John, John chapter 21, to answer the question about the miracles. John 21 verse 30 reads, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these, these signs, are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. So what purpose did these miracles serve? Well, they were meant to show us that Jesus was the Christ, or the anointed is that word in the original Greek language means. And Greek is the language that the New Testament was originally written in. And that Jesus was also the Son of God. If we have belief that Jesus is the Son of God and that he is the anointed one, well, that's the belief that we need if we're going to have life. So let's take some time to dig into what it means to be the Son of God, because that sounds pretty unique. First, we know from the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke that Mary was the mother of Jesus. 
Now, there are two genealogies that are given of Jesus. One comes from Matthew chapter 1, and the other one appears in the Gospel of Luke and chapter 3. The list of names are shared between two of those genealogies, or two of those lists of family trees, but they also deviate quite substantially from each other. Because the list in Luke chapter 3 is generally accepted to be the lineage of Mary, that's the physical mother of Jesus. And this list of names traces the history of Jesus' family back to David, then to Judah, Abraham, and ultimately the list concludes like this in verse 38 of Luke 3. We're told which was the son of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. It's the same point that's being emphasized here, that Jesus comes from the line of the sons of God. Jesus is the son of God. That's the point that's being made in Luke chapter 3. The Gospels of Matthew and Mark and Luke also tell us that Mary got pregnant without being involved with a man. It was the power of God through a miracle that this woman would be able to conceive like this. Luke, in his Gospel, goes into great detail to explain the visit that Mary received from an angel, where the angel explains, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. The angel explained to Mary that this baby, his father, would be God. In fact, this baby would be so special that not only was God going to be his father, but this baby would be a king. And a king who would rule over the kingdom of David forever. Now that meant that this baby was going to be the fulfillment of the promises given to David as a descendant that would sit on his throne. And it would also be a fulfillment of the promises given to Abraham of a seed who was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And through that seed or that descendant, all nations of the earth would be blessed. So this was going to be a very special child indeed. And therefore, he was going to be very unique. Now, the Bible will often describe Jesus as the Son of Man, and sometimes as the Son of God. How are both of these titles appropriate? Well, he was born of a woman, Mary. He was physically conceived in her womb. This means that Jesus was a human being, just like you and I. And Hebrews chapter 4 tells us, the verses are on the screen, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, and yet without sin. You see, Jesus was just like us, in that he had our infirmities, and he was tempted just like we are. And it's worth noting that the writer to the Hebrews says he was tempted in all points, or in every way. That means that everything that we can experience, well, Jesus did too. Now, a few chapters earlier in Hebrews, chapter 2 and verse 16, we're told that despite being the Son of God and having no earthly father, that Jesus took not on him the nature of the angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. 
Now, there's several ways in which Jesus was able to be human, to be tempted like we are, but not sin. And how was Jesus able to do that? Well, one of the ways in which he could do that was through prayer and meditation. Isaiah chapter 50 and verse 4 tells us about a special relationship between God and his son. The Lord God, he wakeneth morning by morning, he wakeneth mine ear to hear as the learned. When we read through the gospel records, what we find is that Jesus would wake early and meditate on the word of God and go to God in prayer. His father was watching over him and educating him just as any father would do with their child. And Jesus was so dedicated in his desire to get to know his heavenly father that by the age of 12, when he was in the temple, those who were speaking with him were so fascinated with the knowledge that he had. And it's also neat to think about all of the prophecies that spoke of Jesus, the Messiah, like many of the Psalms or the promises related to the seed of David or Abraham. And these prophecies would have taught Jesus what God's plan with him personally was and how he needed to live his life. It was almost like God gave him a set of instructions. And this is a step that I think that you and I can relate to because we too can seek God with the same devotion and we can get to know him and we can meditate on his word daily and we can pray often just as Jesus did. And if we study the life of Christ, well, then we have a set of instructions too that tells us how we need to live if we want to have eternal life. In essence, we need to follow in his footsteps. Now, one of the other ways that Jesus was able to be both the son of man and the son of God, he had our nature but didn't sin. Well, he was able to do that because he had God's power. Jesus had the Holy Spirit, the power of God. And this means that God's power was given to him so that he could heal people and he could perform miracles. And we're told that he was given this Holy Spirit power, the power of God at the time of his baptism. But this wasn't a superpower that just allowed him to breeze by temptation and sin. If anything, it, it's quite the opposite, because during his time in the wilderness, well, he was tempted in a way that you and I could probably never relate to. He was tempted by being told to turn bread or stone into bread so that he could eat because he was hungry. Now, I don't have that ability. So that's not a temptation that I have, but Jesus did have that ability. And he answered that temptation with the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So here he didn't compromise his service to God by using his power in a selfish way. And I think what this means for you and I is that our savior, well, he's been through all of the trials and all of the struggles that we have and even more than we could ever experience. He knows what we're going through, no matter how difficult, and he was able to overcome it. And we can too, if we follow him. And to me, that's such a comforting thought. And I think the third way that Jesus was able to be both the son of man and the son of God and not sin was perhaps the most important reason, and it's dedication. You see, Jesus made the choice to dedicate his life to serving his heavenly father. In the Garden of Gethsemane, just before his crucifixion, well, he prayed, thy will, not mine, be done. Jesus had his own will, his own desires, just like you and I do. He didn't want to die a horrific death any more than you or I would. 
but he chose to put his own will aside and obey God. And that's such a simple concept, but boy, that's hard to live in day-to-day life, isn't it? And we too could follow Jesus and obey God every day if we choose to willingly sacrifice just like he did, to give up what we want and instead do what God wants us to do. And that's exactly the point that Jesus makes in Luke chapter 9. He says to the disciples, If any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. So what does it mean to say that we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing in this, well, we might be given eternal life? It means that if we believe that Jesus existed, and that we believe that Jesus was born from Mary, who got pregnant by the power of God, and it means that we believe Jesus was both the Son of Man, in that he inherited our nature, our mortality, our tendencies and desires to please ourselves, and how often that leads us to miss the mark and to sin, and that Jesus can identify with all of our struggles and even more than we can. It also means that we need to believe that Jesus was also the Son of God, who despite his temptations, he never sinned. He never missed the mark. Instead, he was given the Holy Spirit or the power of God, and through dedication to reading God's word, rising early in the morning to pray and to meditate on God's word, and through dedicating his life to God, that Jesus died on the cross as a sinless man. And as a result, he was raised from the dead, and he was given immortal life. So if we believe all of those things, and if we follow in his footsteps, if we take up our cross daily, then by sacrificing our desires to serve God, well, then we too have the hope of immortal life. If you found this video helpful, then make sure to go to our website to find other Bible study materials. And also don't forget to take the quiz by using the link down below. If you take enough quizzes, you'll earn some awesome rewards as well as some very useful Bible study tools. We at Bible Basics Webinar also specialize in individual and small group Bible studies. You can text us by using the phone number that's also down in the description, as well as our email to get more information about our Zoom and in-person classes. And of course, thank you so much for watching Bible Basics Webinar, where we use the Bible to learn about God. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, 
please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at btf at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.